0: Welcome to episode 137 of the Steptoe Cyberlaw podcast brought to you by Steptoe and Johnson. Thank you. We're lawyers talking about technology, security, privacy, and government, uh, and our guest for the day is uh, Frank Salufo, whom I have known really since the 90s, uh, the early 90s, I think. Uh, uh, he's now the Associate Vice President and the Director of the Center for Cyber and Homeland Security at George Washington University, uh, um, and uh, you were at CSIS when I first met you, right?
1: That is correct, yeah.
0: Yeah, well, quite I, Some
1: time ago, and- and, and, and I've been following your footsteps. Oh, it's uh, great to
0: have, great have you. Uh, it's a pleasure. Uh, one of the nice things about uh, the... Uh um, podcast as I get to invite old friends and catch up with them on policy stuff. So we're to glad be to have you. Thank you. All right. uh, and uh, for the news roundup we've got Michael Vattis, uh formerly with the FBI and the Justice Department now litigating out of our New York office. Uh, and Maury Schenk uh, uh, who uh, is, has been uh, so many things in uh, uh, London for us. Head of our office. Uh, advisor on European technology and cybersecurity and uh, he does his own uh, investing, he writes uh, uh, fiction, among other things, and he's a director of technology companies. Uh, Welcome, Maury.
2: Thanks, Stuart. Glad to be here this week.
0: Yes, uh, and um, I I have to tease you, uh, Maury missed the last uh, one because uh, he uh, was on Daylight Savings Time and we weren't yet. Is that right? Uh,
2: No, we weren't. Day- daylight savings time, and you weren't off yet.
0: Ah, uh, Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I, you know, I, I have uh, – I, I spent a little time yesterday uh, kvetching about the loss of what I call daylight hoarding time. I always took the view that if you're going to set your clock back – day you want to set that clock back is late Sunday night so you get the extra hour of sleep on Monday when you need it instead of Sunday when you don't Uh, uh, and we would never change any of our clocks, which were all electric clocks and just kept keeping time until late Sunday night and now, you know my phone is yammering at me, what time it is. My computer's yammering, what time it is. It, it's all sort of gone over to uh, daylight savings time on Sunday when I don't need the hour. Um, and so I was really complaining. There ought to be a local option to say to your uh, your phone and your computer, don't tell me the new time until sometime uh, a Sunday night. Now that that assumes you're not you don't have to get to choir practice, uh, but still. Uh, anyway, uh, I I apologize for the rant. Uh, and Maury, why don't we jump into the things that we were hoping to cover with you uh, uh, last week? Uh, mainly the Privacy Shield litigation. There's now two different cases challenging the Privacy Shield, which of course is the uh, uh, agreement that is supposed to make it possible to uh, um, export data from Europe to the United States. Uh, uh, What do you think of the cases?
2: Well, we don't know very much what they say yet. They've been filed by Digital Rights Ireland, which was the entity behind the overturning of the data retention directive in 2014, and a French company called La Quadrature du Net, which means squaring the net. The the terms of the complaints haven't been released, although we'd assume that they're under Article 8 um, regarding privacy of the um, of the Charter of Fundamental Rights of the EU. They are direct challenges at the uh, General Court of the EU, the lower level of the European Court of Justice. Unlike the Schrems case, which was a referral to the um, European Court of Justice. And that means the plaintiffs face the equivalent of standing issues. They have to show direct and individual concern. Um, so there is speculation that they may not get over that hurdle, uh, and it might take a while for these cases to progress, maybe through later referral of another case like Schrems.
0: So is there any, then, advantage to the folks who have filed this, these cases? Is, is, uh, uh, do they kind of get the... the court warmed up so that when somebody actually has a case that uh, can be referred to, they just get consolidated and keep moving?
2: Well, I mean, if they get past the standing stage, I, the advantage is that they get it considered much more quickly. But they, I, I, I don't see how, how they do. Well, actually,
0: maybe they do. Maybe, they, maybe they'll do what the, uh, uh, I think, the... Third Circuit did, uh, uh, and say, well, we've got this article from The Guardian, and it's all complete BS, but uh, there it is in The Guardian. We might as well uh, assume that uh, all the communications that go to the United States are spied on uh, in mass by the United States government. But wouldn't that be what they'd have to do?
2: I think so. I mean, I'm not at all an expert on ECJ's standing law. Uh, I, may, I think I'll get to know it better as these cases progress over the coming months. But I think it'll be that, it would have to be similar thinking to what the U.S. courts have done.
0: Okay. Well, the, the, the ECJ has set the standard for, uh, deferring to BS articles, uh, out of the Guardian. Uh, so, uh, uh, you know, I, I suppose the lower court might just go along with it. Uh, the, the, to move along, uh, the, uh, Congress has gotten involved in uh, FDA's Internet of Things security measures. Uh, uh, two congressmen who are on the committee that oversees FDA, uh, 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 Diane DeGette and uh, 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 Susan Brooks, uh, one Republican, one Democrat, have sent a long letter to the FDA saying, uh, uh, how are you doing uh, regulating... Uh, medical device security which you know is understandable since there've been two or three big uh stories about uh uh people hacking cardiac devices and insulin pumps and the like uh, um a- and they've said they want answers by December 16 which is fairly soon it's not clear to me what what's uh, what the two congressmen um Think the, how well they think the FDA has been doing. They say kind of mildly nice things and then express concern about whether FDA is, um, is really prepared to deal with cybersecurity issues. But uh, we're going to see more of that issue in the future, I think. Uh, uh, and the FTC has issued its Business Guide to Data Breach Response, um, a more... Free advice from the FTC, but advice that you would ignore at your peril, since they, this is the only way they make rules. Michael, uh, um, anything surprising in there?
3: No, nothing at all surprising. I actually think it's it's pretty useful. Um, the FTC, in, in contrast to things like the NIST framework, um, you know, the FTC tends to put out uh, very common sense, uh, simple to follow advice uh, in this field, and so I think this is. Um, this is actually pretty useful. Uh, on the other hand, if a company hasn't already done these things, it's in it's in pretty dire shape. So, uh, I think companies would be well advised to take a look at this and just make sure that they've done all the things that are um, set out. One thing I would point out is that the the FTC includes in the guidance a draft notification letter to send to affected individuals, uh, and you know this sort of thing. If companies don't follow it, there better be a good reason that they don't, since obviously if they, if they have a breach and come within the FTC sites, first thing the FTC is going to do is say, why didn't you use our model guide, uh, our model letter, uh, when you notified people?
0: Yeah, because it's presumptively deceptive not to use the, the,
3: the, the bureaucrat's language. As well, you know, at least make sure you include all the elements. Yep. If not the actual verbiage. So, um,
0: Maury, uh, the other piece of news that's just kind of come across the wires, uh, uh, and I, it, I'll tie it back to the uh, uh, Privacy Shield uh, attack, uh, as far as I know, uh, the United States has been sued like – 15 times over the alleged inadequacies of its handling of uh, um, uh, the privacy of people who are under investigation. Uh, and um, the uh, number of claims that the Russians uh, abuse human rights and therefore shouldn't be allowed to export data uh, to their territory or that the Chinese or the Saudis or the Algerians uh, is, um, well, zero. Um, and uh, that's relevant in part because the Chinese are continuing to build their great wall of uh, 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 net regulatory uh, uh, statutes. Uh, they have a new cybersecurity law, which I think we've been hearing about it for months, but it now just passed. Is that right?
2: Yes, it seems to have just passed in the last day or so. I, I, it's more than months. I think it's been talked about for a year or more, and it's uh, a very broadly worded cybersecurity law that allows the government to control Internet content, um, which they're, of course, to inclined to do in any event. And it, um, you know, with the history of U.S. firms being restricted in their access to the Chinese market by the Great Firewall and other means, um, and this, the information control attitude of the Xi Jinping administration in China. This doesn 't bode well for internet freedom either generally or for the benefit of foreign internet companies
0: yeah it's a, it's a it 's a big deal and it's you know uh, it shows just the enormous self confidence or maybe self doubt that she is bringing to his uh, his regime uh, uh, but it um, it suggests that uh, they are absolutely determined no matter what kind of criticism they get from the west to uh, uh, to bring the Internet to heal and to impose a kind of autarky uh, on the tools that they use on the Internet.
2: Yeah, I, I think they are. I mean, they would have a different perspective on it. They would say that there's a lot of junk on the Internet and it's destabilizing and they need to send a consistent message. I think there is a lot of truth to that in that their ability to maintain um, stability in China is highly related to the ability to control access to information. And um, whether if you're the Chinese Communist Party, you probably think that's a good reason to control information. If you're uh, from a Western democracy, you probably don't think so.
0: Well, with uh, people being elected to uh, uh, the government of um, Hong Kong who are um taking the oath and substituting four letter words for uh, uh, their uh, their dear leaders in uh, uh, Beijing uh, uh, you can see why they would be a little uneasy about the destabilizing nature of uh, free flow of information
2: yeah absolutely and you know th- I was uh looking at some articles about the Chinese reaction to Donald Trump, and they are pointing at this as a justification of the dangers of, um, a free press, how, you know, everything he says gets reported and discussed and whether it's has any truth, um, or not. So I think they're getting even more entrenched and, uh, who knows where the future leads? It's a, it's a strange world these days. Yeah, no,
0: that's a it's a it's a very clever argument that says basically you think you think we're lying to you. Uh, hell, uh, Trump is lying to uh, Americans, and they don't they they seem to like it. Uh, so maybe you should just relax and let us lie to you. Um, a, a interesting approach. Uh, okay, and speaking of the election. Uh, um, there was a very calculated leak uh, to NBC out of the Cyber Command, or at least a senior intelligence official, um, basically saying, uh, if the Russians screw with our election, we already have the ability to, uh, we've, we've infiltrated their electric grid, their telecommunications network, and the Kremlin's command systems. And if they screw with our election, we're going to use our uh, capabilities in ways that, that will uh, make them uh, uh, regret it. Uh, I thought that was really interesting. I mean, they they, they showed these guys top secret, uh, the the NBC guys top secret documents to prove it. Uh, uh, it really was a an official leak of the most remarkable sort. Uh, um, uh, whether they mean it, you know, who knows? Whether they really have penetrated the Kremlin's command systems and what that means, whether that's the phone uh, to uh, uh, to the local military or it's their nuclear codes, hard to say. Um, but it is a, a remarkable um, statement. Uh, I was, I was, yeah,
2: yep, go ahead. I'll, I'll just jump in on this one. The British government recently, and I, I don't know whether it was intelligence, but uh, in, uh, intentional, but in the um, battle over Mosul in Iraq, um, they disclosed that they've been using offensive cyber. Um, so you're starting to see more and more of this stuff admitted.
1: Yeah. You know, one of the dilemmas here, though, is I, I, I honestly don't feel the fact that we're just opining about this publicly is kind of kind of like Twilight Zone. I, I mean, we really haven't articulated what our cyber deterrence strategy is, and, and, and ultimately you don't deter cyber, you're deterring various actors. So it, it just seems kind of weird to me that we're opining publicly and we don't have a playbook in play and we explain why we did what we did after we did it.
0: So here is my theory about what our cyber deterrence uh, uh, policy really is. Uh, uh, I thought I'd let Clint Eastwood uh, explain it.
3: I know what you're thinking. Did he fire six shots or only five? Well, to tell you the truth in all this excitement, I've kind of lost track myself. But, Ian, this is a .44 Magnum, the most powerful handgun in the world, and would blow your head clean off. You've got to ask yourself one question. Do I feel lucky? Well, do you, punk?
0: So there it is. Uh, uh, that's the message, I suspect, uh, uh, from uh, uh, the uh, Cyber Command to, uh, uh, to the Russians. Uh, we might be bluffing, but it really depends on how lucky you feel. <laughs> okay, uh, and... Um, Uh, I don't know. Indonesia has a new right to be forgotten. Uh, uh, The bank regulators are being breached. Uh, The DMC has been updated, kind of, to allow uh, medical device hacking. Uh, uh, Michael Mori, anything you want to comment on there?
2: The Indonesia thing looked pretty narrow to me. It was a a right to be forgotten if you had been... uh, had disadvantageous court proceedings, and you had to get a court order to have material removed. So it seemed to me a lot less broad than what we've seen in Europe. Um, We'll see more of this, but this doesn't seem particularly notable to me.
0: All right. Okay. Well, then let's jump into our interview. Uh, uh, Frank um, – Great to have you here. Uh, you are the moving force behind a report uh, ent- that just came out in the last week or so entitled Into the Gray Zone, and it's an exploration of um, the whole hackback uh, and uh, active defense uh, um, uh, area. Uh, I was on the uh, uh advisory panel, uh, but not uh, one of the chairs responsible for writing the report. And I mostly disagree with the big chunks of it. Uh, um, but I thought I'd uh, start out just saying, what did you look at
1: and why? And then what did you conclude? Well, firstly, we pulled uh, good work done by others in the past in the field, uh, notably you, Stuart, since you've been uh, working on these issues for quite some time. But, you know, we were, Trying to bring a cast of people together, uh, who come at this issue from very diverse perspectives since, I mean, look how long it took to pass CISA, information sharing. That should, that's 10 years out of date, if you ask me. Exactly. So what we wanted to do was rather than have people uh, um, come up with their positions and and never bring them to the same table, we thought, let's bring some of these people to the table. Is it going to be perfect? Absolutely not. But we want to make sure that those uh, voices that uh, are going to be for, against, or anything in between are at least at that particular table at that time. So we did have a very diverse group, much more more so than most uh, uh, reports I'm working on. I I tend to work more in the national security law enforcement space, uh, but we wanted to ensure we brought in the tech community, that we brought in the privacy uh, community, uh, and it was very much focused on private sector uh, uh, roles. So ultimately, back to your point on Russia, I, I mean, active defense is actually a subset of a broader cyber deterrent approach and strategy. I think I, I, I'm pretty clear and I think most would agree with me that business as usual just ain't cutting it. Mm-hmm. I mean, the status quo is not working. Um, a response that is purely reactive of building higher walls, deeper modes, protected by bigger locks in itself is insufficient. Ultimately, we've got to flip the equation from blaming the victim to putting some pain on the perpetrator yep. and and our approach was to look at what those various tools are but more importantly we needed to have we needed to shape the environment where we could build an operational framework where then we could start examining some of the TTPs or tactics techniques and procedures and so
0: I I, 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 I completely agree with all that with the, the the security models we have are our failures yeah, uh, and uh, um, We need to ask, how do we deter, how how can we change this game in a significant way? Um, And hackback or active defense or uh, um, extra network activities offer some possibilities there because the amounts that companies are spending on their defense just dwarf the capabilities of any part of the U.S. government, probably including Cyber Command and maybe NSA, in terms of their ability to actually address this particular problem, because uh, all of those guys have other um, missions. Uh, and so the idea that we should free up those resources resonates with me for sure. I'm just not sure whether this report ends up doing that. And, and uh, you, you gave the suggestion that, uh, your hope was to find at least some principles that everybody agreed on. And I take it that the principal privacy um, uh, group you had involved in this was CDT. NULA was an, yeah. a, a, a co-chair, chair. yep. Uh, and, and I'm, I'm, I'm having trouble seeing that they did anything other than what they did with CISA for 10 years, which is to say,
2: Oh, yeah, we want to talk.
0: Oh, yes, we want to talk. Why don't you change this? Why don't you change that? Why don't you change all these other things? Oh, but, you know, well, no, we're not going to sign on. Uh, you know, it's, it's, we still oppose it. Uh, and, and that's sort of how I read this. Uh, you, you, there are lots of places in the report where you, uh, Make changes that look to me as though they were, uh, proposed by CDT. And then Nula at the end says, oh, and by the way, I disagree with all of this stuff. I'm, I'm bailing. Um, and, and so they, they, I, I'm not sure you've managed to create any more consensus than
1: there was before Stuart, in, in fairness she did an addendum that just picked on a couple of areas where she had uh, uh, areas of disagreement she was at the the rollout of the, the report itself right. and, and and again we didn't seek 100% consensus or we'd have nothing and right would no no I'd be a one-page document I would not have agreed with anything um, <laughs> but at the end of the day what we wanted to do is get some of those very fundamental principles and 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 I think we achieved achieved much of that now is it is it enough to to entirely move the needle i am not sure but i think it what it does do is set the environment it shapes it where you can see some congressional action i mean yeah otherwise we're going to continue to be in the same position where in every time we get robbed we're going to call the locksmith that's so, just not so, going to cut it
0: so you're 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 right uh i'm i fear that the the um, the folks that Genuinely wanted to make some changes here, got sold a bill of goods. But let's let's dig into the actual active defenses you talk about because uh, uh, I think that's where the heart of the report Absolutely. is, right? Uh, and you kind of put things on a uh, continuum. Um, uh, these are all um, gray zone uh activities or technologies as as you put it uh, some lighter gray some darker gray and if you started from the lightest gray it would be honey pots where people uh, essentially create something inside their network that is a fake network in the hopes of uh, slowing people down and forcing them to disclose that they're uh, in in the network. Um, uh, tar pits, uh, which is really just a way of slowing, slowing them down in a honey pit, uh, yeah. honeypot as well. Uh, hunting on the network, which I think is basically uh, you, you're pretty sure somebody's there and you're – Setting traps, you're looking for their activities, you're looking for their, uh, uh, the credentials they're using and the, uh, tools they've left behind. And those are all, I would say, on the light gray area, yep. as yep. you put it. Uh, uh, then there's beacons and die packs and white hat reconnaissance, which is sort of medium gray, maybe you can use those that you say. And beacons and dye packs are essentially pretty similar. They are tools that you would put in your sensitive documents. So if they are moved off your network, um, there is some effort, some capability for either the a file to call home in some way, mm-hmm. uh, or uh, for the file to um, engage in some activity that signals its presence on the network so it can be found, mm-hmm. uh, uh, the way a die pack blows up on a bank robber when he's running down exactly. the street, and, yeah. and yeah. now he, he's, he's running around with red dye all over him. It's kind of hard-eyed. Mm-hmm. Uh, and um, and then finally, white hat reconnaissance, which you say is, well, it's, that's Going, good guys going out into bad neighborhoods looking for evidence of, uh, what the criminals are doing, what tools they're using, what stuff they've stolen, etc. Uh, and, uh, those you say, oh, that's close call on some of that stuff. And then the things that, that you say they shouldn't be doing is, what I would call, uh, return live fire, right? Uh, you, you have attacked me. I'm going to shoot back at you and, 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 and take down your, uh, infrastructure, uh, which I don't think anybody is really suggesting. Mm -hmm. Uh, and then data rescue, which I have occasionally advocated, which is, uh, uh, following your data after it's been exfiltrated, maybe in a matter of seconds, uh, to where it is initially stored in the hopes that you can get it back or re-encrypt it in a way that renders it useless. But that requires that you go to whatever the next – hop in the exfiltration of your data, maybe, and that's not your network, that's somebody else's. So um, why don't
1: you tell we me... We did reverse engineer the kill chain, too, to try to get a sense each step of the way where active defense measures could be deployed or employed. Mm-hmm. But but I think, Stuart, you, you laid it out just right. I, I mean, at the end of the day, we did look at a whole host of tools, many of which are available now. But many companies are uncomfortable using them because they feel that it may transcend uh, and are being advised against some of that. I would imagine if you're advising a firm, maybe a little different, but some of your colleagues may have a different perspective. So, what we were. Do you. Are there, we, really, we people, look,
0: are there really people who say that you can't use honeypots on your own damn? No, name? no, no.
1: Honeypots, yes. But in terms okay, of beacons, so in terms of. In the, in the that's zone in the light gray. Light gray. Right. So, um, so it, it. But. I mean, Once it leaves your network, is where there's debate. Let me tell you why. My and I, I don't know what your network is anymore right. with the cloud. That's where it gets really yeah. complex.
0: Uh, yeah, maybe maybe in a good way, but uh um, yeah, uh, you are you're. Uh, the report says if it's in the gray zone, there's all these new regulatory principles that auto apply where you've got to stop and think 16 times, be, you know, turn around, kiss the Blarney stone, uh, uh and then you can use gray zone technologies. Doesn't, doesn't, doesn't that mean you've put more regulation on what people do inside their network if it's a, one of these gray zone technologies?
1: Actually, I disagree with that. I mean, I, okay. I always I agree with so. kissing the Blarney stone, but, uh, <laughs> but the reality is this. I want, it to be simple for companies to feel confident that they can move out in the directions that we're suggesting and and uh, you know from some of our interactions we had a number of very significant and senior financial services companies who have exposure globally and they were very comfortable a uh, very uncomfortable with some of the initiatives that i think should be par for the course so one what, just one thing on the spectrum of Uh, Tools that we laid out. So we also tried to define at what point could government intervene. So even Hackback, by the way, we didn't say no to that. We just said companies shouldn't be doing that short of uh, government interaction. So at what stage, for example, there have been a number of uh, highly successful botnet takedowns. That if uh, that have included U.S. companies, right. international companies coordinating with the FBI, Europol and other bilat relationships in the law enforcement sense, if they tried to do that on their own, obviously, there's a, a huge potential for blowback. So what we were suggesting is at what point do you call and, and, and our hope, maybe it came out wrong, our hope is actually to have fewer impediments to being able to lean in that direction so people don't have to second-guess them every step of the way. Let's make that uh, par for the course. And that was actually one of the things that Newell said. Oh, no, 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 no. This is really dangerous, and we should be rethinking the whole idea. So she did have an addendum, and I, I highly recommend that people actually check out the report itself and, and read her addendum. And, and, and you know what? I, I respect the position she has. Obviously, uh, we have to I know. This, different- this is just... The
0: same crap CDT has been peddling for the last ten years. Uh, security is a great idea in theory, but any particular thing you want to do to get to make the network more secure is probably a violation of privacy, and we're again it, and we'll be again it for ten years until it's out of, ten years out of date, and that's, that's what they did with CISA, and that's what they're going to do with this but, stuff. But
1: Stuart, my my hope is if they're at the table, and oh, they're uh,
0: always at the table. That's their whole. Uh, Reason for being is they they sit at the table they 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 throw suggestions at you they raise obje- uh, objections they try to get you to compromise and then they walk
1: away from the table at the last minute. Well, in this case, they're still at the table with some caveats and uh, those <laughs> yeah, are the like a, there's, a,
0: there's nothing in the report that actually changes the law that they like. Uh, and and indeed, the stuff they like is stuff that changes the law in ways that would actually make uh use of some of these gray zone uh, uh tools um uh, less easy i mean I, right now you can put a honeypot on your network without anybody you you'd have to you'd have to have an extraordinarily cautious lawyer who would say there's a problem with tar pits or honeypots uh,
1: or hunting on the network uh, well when uh, we said hunting, we actually went outside the hunting zone so that is more what end game and uh some of the good technology there Mm -hmm. that can enable that's precisely and we did have a whole section on uh which would be deceptive use of information which some lawyers are very uncomfortable with even on your own network uh, So, so, so that's what we mean by so camouflage concealment deception in the old national security sense so when you really get down to it we're trying to get an intelligence-led response that's smarter. I, I kind of feel like cyber is where counterterrorism was in 2003. We have a lot of great capabilities, mm-hmm. but they're not integrated. We don't have the synchronization of the various authorities. In the CT sense, it's mostly Title 10, Title 50. Right. But when we're talking about um, cyber, it transcends so many other actors. And, and here's the bottom line. Government is not going to drive all the solutions here. At the end of the day, most companies didn't go into business thinking they have to defend themselves against foreign intelligence services. But that's precisely what's happening. That's right. And we need to level that playing field, but we need to do so in a way that doesn't unintentionally cause more harm.
0: Frankly, for most companies – given a choice between having the Russians in their network or inviting the the, the U.S. government into the network to, to fight the Russians, they say, you know, I, I, I know what life is like with the Russians in my network, and I have no idea what those guys are going to do in my network,
1: right? Uh, actually, I never thought about it in those terms, but uh, hopefully we're not comfortable and going to accept the fact that the Russians Chinese North Koreans Iranians and everyone else are in our networks I, I mean at the end of the day're getting comfortable with it but 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 that's not a, a viable uh, solution set going forward I, and I completely and there, agree and there are steps that I think can currently be taken that aren't. And I think what we need to do is build an environment where people don't have to second guess every step of the way that they can lean forward. Now, we're, we're not suggesting random hack uh, shooting back right. a, a nonstop. I mean, think of it as more a suppressive fire where you're protecting your own entity or take football. We're sort of talking linebackers more than we're talking about quarterbacks. Ultimately, you're blitzing the other team's quarterback, but they're trying to score on your network. That's right. I... I,
0: I, I you know, I, I, as I think about it, that's exactly what we should have called this. We should, never should have called it active defense, which calls up a whole bunch of things. linebackers. <laughs> we should have just we we need more linebacking guys uh, 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 because that's exactly what you're trying to do. You're trying to screw
1: up the other guys uh, and game get line. in their decision making chain, make force them to make mistakes. It's it's very similar to counterterrorism in that respect. So. Um, disrupt the decision-making here's, here's my basic problem
0: with even the things you put in the medium gray zone. I think you could do those under current law. Uh, if I put a fake document on my network, if I put a fake network on my network, <laughs> if I put a document on my network which when moved will, will say, hey, guess what? I've been moved. Uh, all of those are things that I could legitimately do and I've done only on my network to protect my network. Uh, I don't want People taking this stuff home and using it on the internet, say on an internet connected device. And if they, if my employees take it home, I want to know that they've done it and call them in the next morning for a disciplinary proceeding. That is a legitimate use of beacons that has nothing to do with attacking the Chinese. I, and uh, frankly, uh, I would defend anybody who used a beacon who properly uh, papered the use of it for that purpose, uh, uh, and then who discovered it wasn't an employee taken at home, but, uh, uh, the People's Liberation Army. Uh, it, uh and I don't think you can be criminally prosecuted for having put something on your network that some thief steals and who then suffers harm to their
1: network. Uh, so uh, I agree with that 100%. I'm not sure that everyone feels confident enough. Certainly not on well, and that second stage. I have, second I have stage. no
2: confidence
0: that if you ask sips and the Justice Department, as you suggest, you to give guidance that they're going to give guidance that helps. They're going to give. They've been giving guidance for the last twenty years, which said this is illegal and immoral and probably fattening, and don't do it. I, <laughs> a, 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 and and I just, you know, I as I, don't I know eat a brownie here, <laughs> uh, literally, <laughs> exactly. Yes, up. You know, but uh, we we do try to do that with our guests. Uh, so I, I I don't know that we really expect to get
1: better guidance, especially because you didn't really lean into saying beacons should be permissible. Actually, we did. We did in terms of, so we didn't want to get down to the TTP specifically of the tactics, techniques, and procedures. What we wanted to do is ensure what that tool and all those tools in the toolkit that can be deployed. I am very comfortable with, uh, with where you are on that question, but many of the entities that we speak to are not. So I, and, and will justice Give 100% clarity. It's all going to be episodic and situational anyway. But here's the here's the reality: the the threat environment is hitting a tipping point right now, where I think some of the questions that uh, people would err on the side of do nothing are recognizing that's not that's not a feasible outcome. And, and when it comes to Intellectual property theft? I, I mean, right. that is the future of our economy. That is our innovation. A giant sucking sound. And uh, there's I a guess. giant <laughs> sucking sound. It's starting to have impact. Yeah. A real bottom line impact. Oh, so, I think that the, the Chinese
0: just showed off their great new stealth fighter that I uh, incorporated. Uh, very all similar emissions. to
1: other fighters, exactly. doesn't it? So, so I, I think that you have to also Keep in mind that five years ago when you were a Paul Revere on these issues and you were way out in front of others, people – the average person couldn't relate to the mm-hmm. threat environment. Those of us in the community could. Now it's mainstream. Now let's we're jump. all affected. So what I'm really saying is, is, sometimes being ahead of the curve is not always. It's great because we can tie back.
0: Plus I've got all these arrows in my back. But
1: <laughs> but what we're really saying is, okay, let's look at the situation in today's environment. Yeah. And I do think um, you're going to get uh, uh, justice officials recognizing, and they, and and even when they came to brief us, these were all Chatham House, so I'm not right. going to get into right. any specificities. But they had their, not sure if it's gray or not gray, and and I think that a convincing case um, okay. could could so persuade so I, them. But here's the thing, here's the one thing, and this comes back to the Russia example you were talking. We cannot let episodes define policy. Mm-hmm. So one thing I don't, but don't want. Don't they always define
0: policy? Isn't that... They
1: do, but yeah. let's get it, at, let's get out in front of this. And, and whether it's Russia hacking, we should have had a deterrent strategy articulated yes. playbooks in place and we should have been acting. Same with active defense. I don't want a well intentioned cowboy taken down a server in Beijing, which could cause an escalation, which pushes all of us back, where even what's gray now will be black.
0: You you say that, and then you you, um, make the uh, statement, which I'm not actually sure is completely true. This is all very... dark uh, um, in terms of understanding what really happened. But you say that Google in Operation Aurora, when they were attacked and they clearly discovered that the Chinese were in their network, uh, went on to a Taiwanese uh, server and got information about their attackers. Uh, uh, And there's a Suggestion here that, well, oh boy, you know, uh, that could have caused a major international incident and we ought to get the State Department to weigh in on, uh, well, you we know what they're going to weigh in on. They're going to say, oh, don't do that. It would complicate our jobs. Um, so it, the, uh, do you really, I mean, they, they, if they did that or if they did it more likely is my guess with the permission of the owner of the, uh, the server would, uh, we haven't seen any international repercussions. Uh, the international repercussions are all in people's heads. There are mm-hmm. reasons not to act uh, because there might be repercussions. And I wonder if we shouldn't... Uh uh wait until we actually see a couple of repercussions i mean the chinese and the russians have been telling us that their mal- their cyber militias are out of their control and when they shut down uh, uh networks and websites in the united states or uh, uh the baltics uh, it's just a shame but it's people's justice uh, uh i don't know why we couldn't say the same about uh uh, somebody uh, who went into a, a intermediate server to get information on their attacker.
1: Actually, I think you bring up a great set of points. So, so for in, in, for fairness, uh, our State Department recommendations were not to make sure state can be in the position to veto and say no it's actually to enable some of the relationships with law enforcement entities uh-huh. it's to enable that the private sector has a voice in that as well so to to your point, I, I mean the reality is is any nation worth their salt is not going to send the muddy footprints back to their headquarters. They're going to use proxies to do their bidding.
3: And yeah, you've but got
1: no, countries, only, only only
0: if they think they're going to get caught. Only if if they, they, they don't, and but,
1: and so far.
0: Uh, until very
1: recently, they have thought they're not going to ca- going to get caught because they haven't been caught. Well, the Russians have used proxies back to the 07 DDoS attacks right. in Estonia, their Georgian attacks. They even yes. used proxies and, and even in Crimea. I mean, they're claiming they didn't even have military in, on the ground. So so they are the masters of camouflage, concealment, deception or Maskarovka or hiding their their uh-huh. true intentions. They've used proxies all along with China. It's a little different because it's more military officers moonlighting to make money than it is. Uh, in in Russia's case, it's the government right. drawing on hackers to do their bidding, which is they won't touch them during the daytime as long as they're there when they call on them, which is a little different than the Chinese example. But the point that I was trying to make is, you know. We, we do need to, uh, ensure that these issues aren't looked at through a particular, a single lens alone. Right? Uh-huh. I mean, we've had banks come to us and I won't name them, but I think you know who they are because they've been there and they're saying, you know, I don't want to have to worry about 17 different laws on this. And if I do this, that and the other thing, am I going to be breaking this law, even though I'm, uh, 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 in a very comfortable area domestically? So what we wanted to do is at least, Ensure that you can that those voices are heard and, and maybe I'm the optimist and you're the pessimist and I've been told the pessimist is an optimist with experience, but I'll, <laughs> I'll stay optimistic on this one that maybe State Department actually could be part of the solution here where they can at least enable the environment where we can act because here's the bottom line. If you've got virtual safe havens, if we don't have extradition treaties with the vast majority of the hackers in Russia oh, we, and we, or China, we never will. I mean, that's it, it, why we need everyone else to be part of that equation. Uh, that's mean, precisely what we're saying. And if we can bite them off where they're connecting, that's the way to do it. Hit them off where we can.
0: So, uh, yes, I, I, I think that's right. But this, you know, cyber insecurity in the United States has been a great thing for the Russians, a great thing for the uh, And it's killing Chinese. us.
1: And time to change exactly. the, ch- so, to so change the equation. But
0: there's no reason why they should ever... Uh, diplomatically
1: agree to restrict a tool that has been uh, very much in their own interest. But if we don't have Japan, if we don't have uh, uh, South Korea, if we don't have some of the actors who are the primary victims mm-hmm. of some of these acts in China's case, or in if we don't have all the Baltics, I mean, they're with us. They're basically the sixth eye when you talk Estonia and others. But what I'm saying is, is in addition to the perpetrators, which isn't my primary focus. It's looking at what other countries are affected by this. And then, um, because ultimately, that's where we're going to be able to have, uh, and and it's the same with law enforcement. I mean, that's where we ultimately are able to have greatest effect.
0: So I think this is maybe where I do disagree with the the report. You assume that uh, the U.S. government is with you and all the agencies of the U.S. government are going to get on board and that the Justice Department, in contrast to the lat- experience of the last 20 years, is suddenly going to say, what can we do to help people uh, move into the gray zone? Uh, I do think, and, and, and that... The State Department, despite having said, uh, gee, if you were to launch an attack from a uh, server that is outside the United States, you'd probably be violating the rights of the neutral country in whose server the uh, in whose country the server is located. So you can't do any attacks on uh, people who are attacking us except direct from the United States where they're easily foiled. Um, uh, that they're suddenly going to get religion on this or that NIST, NIST, which is, you know, <laughs> they, all they do is standards. They sit around and say... Well, what do you think? Uh, and now they're going to uh, uh, suddenly get on board and say, how can we develop standards that will enable uh, uh, great use of gray zone tactics? I just don't see it. Uh, uh, I'll, I'll
1: see that. I, I mean, I did come with a good governance, good government right. mindset, and, and I still lean in that direction. Mm-hmm. But you're absolutely right. At the end of the day, it's going to come down to what's practical. And um, and 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 ultimately, um, we don't always get good policy coming out of that sausage-making process. But so, if you're not if you're not at that table making that argument, you're going to get eaten by the table. Well, I, fair right? enough.
0: Fair enough. They, 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 we need to bring them to the table in a position of weakness so that they will actually do what they should do. Uh, and
1: companies, if they collectively come together. I think have huge power. So just look – so so you're familiar. I know you are, but maybe some of your uh, listeners aren't. Section 9 designated companies, the most critical of our right. critical infrastructure. So that would have debilitating effect on our national or economic security. Right now, the FSISAC stood up, the uh, FSARC, which are the eight biggest banks mm-hmm. are coming together. Why? Because they've got real power. They're spending – $600 yeah. million dollars Each. a year, yeah. uh, $300 million a year, big bucks. And they've come to conclude that – and that's purely reactive for mm-hmm. the most part. So they – that's where we can start seeing some pressure mounted where it's no longer – I'm sick of all the public-private partnership. Discussion. It's long <laughs> on nouns, short on verbs. It's yes. all talk. Right. If we're talking about action – that's where we can start having some action, and let's make yeah. active defense part of that. Let's let companies even have some say in intelligence requirements. So I, I the cloud,
0: 20 seconds on the cloud, the fact that most of these alleged um, other networks are running on Amazon and Google and Microsoft networks are really part of American networks means that uh, all this CFAA worries, oh, am I on somebody else's network or not, uh, can be wiped away by saying, yeah, you're going on to another part of the micros of a Microsoft network. And if Microsoft's terms of service prohibit certain kinds of uses and allow them to take action against people who are using uh the cloud for criminal purposes, suddenly all the worries
1: about how am i going to do intelligence sort of go away and and you Now just, you're, you're the just... optimist and I'm the pessimist. <laughs> yes, you you make that case and it's the right case to make. But is it ultimately going to be envisioned that way? I I would agree with you 100%. I don't know what my perimeter is anymore and most of our defenses are based on um old Maginot line kind of perimeter mm-hmm. defenses. That's just not cutting it. I think we can all agree on that. But the question is when technology does start blurring all of that I would agree with you but will everyone else uh, ultimately.
0: Well, I, see I, logic I I I guarantee that uh, uh Nula will not. Uh, but uh, actually
1: Nula's been the most uh, you get some of the other privacy and you'll get a very different.
0: Oh, absolutely, uh, but that's just cool. that's just part of the good know, cop I bad know. cop game. <laughs> I, uh, all right. Um, so uh, last question. Uh, where does this go from here? What are, you, what are your plans for this? Uh, I know you got some foundation funding to, to put together the report.
1: Do you have a second act? So great question. Um So we did, this was initially funded by the uh, Hewlett Foundation as well as the Smith Richardson Foundation, um, and was meant to frame and set the, the table for, for what needs to go forward. I think now we actually get to the, to the questions you started with. And that is, okay, if we can get to the point where we have a agreement on shaping the battlefield or the environment to uh-huh. be able to engage in this, what would the right tool set of tactics, techniques and procedures be? And, and, and actually go to case studies, some of which may be current, some of which may not be existing right now, but uh from a scenario based perspective, start uh, uh pushing this through. The good news is is this report we're getting a lot of uh um requests for um uh presentations to congressional committees, we're getting a lot of requests from the executive branch, but most importantly private sector actors. Mm-hmm. And and I think what's changed in cyber in the in the many years I've been looking at it is this is no longer a footnote issue right this is front and center so you've got CEOs at at, at very senior levels ready to act and let's make this part of that action uh, plan. That's that's the hope.
0: Well, tell them to call me. We'll skip Congress I will and tell the to call Department, you too. and we'll and we'll just we'll just I go called do you. A whole by the way, you like,
1: were the first person. Yeah, I yeah, no, I the I, first I, I you, you were I perfectly call. fair,
0: and uh, <laughs> I just uh, uh, you know uh, real life in, intruded on my efforts to uh, uh, to do battle with Nula on the uh, 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 the, the text of this thing. So uh, Frank, thank you so much. It was a pleasure. You're a great sport, and uh, uh, you've done great work by bringing this attention this uh, issue further to the attention of the American people and Congress and the government. So, uh, uh, it's a great pleasure to see you.
1: Well, thanks for the great work you do on the pad podcast and, and beyond. So thanks for the opportunity, Stuart.
0: All right. Uh, and thanks to Michael Battis and Maury Shank for their contributions. Uh, you know, we're open for, uh, comment and feedback. Uh, if you don't like, uh, what I say or if it, uh, intrudes unduly into your safe space, uh, send, a mail to cyberlawpodcast at steptoe.com or, or leave Use a review uh uh preferably five stars on iTunes or podcast aggregators that handle um uh, android uh, uh podcasts uh this has been episode 137 of the Step-toe Cyber Cyberlaw podcast brought to you by Steptoe and Johnson uh, coming up we're going to have a post election uh, analysis of where cyber stands today uh, uh and uh you know if one candidate wins uh, uh do you feel lucky, punk, may well be the uh, motto for the entire uh, session. We're going to have Paul Rosenzweig, who uh, uh, used to work with me, and Shane Harris come on and talk about what the election means. Uh, uh, and then after that, we're going to have Steve Weber and Betsy Cooper from the Berkeley Center for Long-Term Cybersecurity uh, talk about some of their new reports. Uh, John Markoff, who has a book on uh, um, artificial intelligence uh, called Machines of Loving Grace uh, and who's covered these topics since the 90s in Silicon Valley, will be on. And then Scott Charney of Microsoft, uh, and maybe I'll ask him how he likes the idea that um, his network has swallowed the Internet and we don't have to worry about CFAA (laughs) anymore. My guess is he won't think that's a great idea. Uh, We hope that all of you will join us as we once again, in those episodes and others, provide insights into the latest events in technology, security, privacy, and government.